Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon, everybody. This is your host, man. This is your boy, Isaac Murden. Guess what? It is season two in the den, and I'm so happy to bring our first guest on for season two. This gentleman has a remarkable story, very humbling. Guess what? We're going to get right to it, man. And without further ado, I want to bring on Mr. Jeremy Bryant. How you doing, Jeremy? I'm doing good. How you doing, Isaac? How was your day? How's your day been? Doing good. Working from home now. Got to mow my lawn while working, so, you know. <laughs> that must be a beautiful thing, man, being able to work from home and spend some time with your family. It is. It is. Most definitely. So, Jeremy, won't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Well, I am your basic white boy from the suburbs. Um, I I now have a wife and two kids and two massive dogs. And I work from home as of this week. And I'm also a podcaster on four podcasts. Okay, well, we're going to get to the name of those podcasts later on. But most definitely, I know my audience is really interested in just hearing about who you are where you are, how you got to be the person that you are. And we're going, you know, we're just going, we're just going to start it off just like that. So, you know, tell our audience um, some of the, some of your humble beginnings and how they start. Well, basically I was the first, I was, I'm the oldest kid, in the, I'm the oldest kid in my, in my family. I was first born and life was good for 10, 11 years. And then I got old enough to realize my parents weren't happy with each other and they were in the process of getting a divorce. So, and then to throw a, well, go ahead. Go ahead. And then to throw a, another ball on top of that pile, I found out a couple years later that my father was not genetically my father because I was a sperm donor baby. So tell our audience what was that like? surprising to some degree but also not surprising because we both me and my brother look nothing like him and we always kind of had suspicions but we didn't ever we were too young to ever want to say anything about it because you know you're a kid you don't want to get yelled at for trying to bring up something like that exactly exactly it, it's, it's that old saying you know what goes on in the house stay on stay in the house exactly i mean i mean it's not like it's not like my um, cheat on him like with the mailman or something and that's where we came from but it was just he had cancer when we, when he was in college and he could no longer produce kids because of the radiation that simple basically so they had to go to outside sources to have that happen so in the process of um you understanding that your parents were you know beginning you know the transition to separate how did that affect you um i didn't take it i mean we were we were both, me and my brother were both old enough where we took it pretty well because we saw how much our parents fought and we saw how much they argued. And they, as the rest of my family now says, they were just toxic together and it just wasn't a good idea for them to stay together. And we, they still were both in our lives greatly after, as they were before, they were in our lives after. And not much changed besides my dad eventually leaving the house and us having to spend week, weekend every, every other weekend at his house. 
So what was it like being in a toxic home? I mean, as, as kids, we both, you know, we love our mothers and we love our fathers, but what was that experience like for you? Uh, I mean, you just, you go to your friend's houses and you see their parents together and they seem so happy. And then you're laying in bed at night listening to your parents fight, like as you're trying to fall asleep. And they don't think you can hear them, but you can. And it's just, I mean, you if anything, it teaches you that what, what kind of relationship not to have when you get older. So this was around 12 or 13. So from 13 until, so tell our, tell our um, audience, you know, what was life like for you um, after separation and, you know, continue to going into, you know, your teenager years and your young adult years. What, what was life like for you? For me, it was, I, I mean, I started acting out a little bit in school and at home because of the divorce. I started to somewhat hate my mother because she, she cheated on my father twice. So I started to somewhat hate my mother at that point. And I, I mean, I was always my dad, a daddy's boy. I was always a daddy's boy from a young age. And that just made that even more solidified it to a more solid role in my life. I mean, I ended up spending a whole summer with my, Flor with my father when he moved to Florida. I just, I wanted to be around him always. Like if he, if he asked me to do something, I always just jumped on it and said yes. And my mom was going through a horrible depression the whole time too. She was dating other guys, but they were pretty much all losers. So none of, it ever, none of them ever stuck around for long because they, she would break it off with them because she thought they were less than her. Which a couple of them I didn't think were that bad, but she had her own reasons. So whatever, she's not gonna take her teenage son's advice on who she, who she should date. So uh, I went through a lot of bad situations. I mean, I almost got into uh, being a neo-Nazi in high school because I just was looking for somewhere I could belong because I always felt like I didn't belong anywhere after that point as well. And my mom would yell at me for everything I did. So I just didn't feel like I belonged. So I started hating everybody because of that. So I, <laughs> I just started I mean, I started learning about not World War II in high school, and I started just like, "Oh, Nazis, that's cool." <laughs> but eventually, yeah. I eventually my dad, my dad, I got in trouble at school for it because I made some prop. We had a assignment to make some propaganda uh, flyers for World War, like World War II propaganda flyers in history class, and my teacher, I guess she expected everybody to make U.S. ones, but I kind of made a, 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 a Germany one. <laughs> But, <laughs> Being real rebellious, huh? Yeah, and I basically, and then I, I got called the principal's office for that and a couple other things because MySpace was big at that point. And you know, on MySpace back in the day, you could have your top eight friends on like your page. Exactly. Well, I remember one of my one of my friends had a um, I think it was a swatch sticker. I could be wrong, but. It was a swatch sticker, it was this profile picture. And the principal didn't understand how MySpace worked. She thought I put that picture there. So basically between those two things, I went to the principal's office and I got suspended. My parents ended up getting called. And my I went to my dad's work because I was driving at that point. And he was just like, knock this shit off. He's like, we're German. He's like, we're German ancestry, but we don't believe that crap. Come on. He's like, knock it off. You're better than that. And that basically just set me straight and I stopped being like that. Like, I just was like, all right, I need to chill out. I need to relax. I need to not do stupid stuff like this.
So, and funny enough, about six months, a year later, the first girl I ever dated kind of was black. <laughs> so, okay. I mean, I went kind of 360 with that or not, well, 180, I guess. So what was that like with you? It was good. I mean, we hung out a few times my senior year of high school and then the summer after high school, I was at a family's house up in Massachusetts and she called me out of the blue and said, Hey, I've been thinking about you and we should spend some more time together. So came back after a couple of days and we started dating slowly. And, but <laughs> a few a few months in, I just graduated high school at this point. So I had all this money that I just got for graduating high school from my graduation party. And she basically burnt through all of it because I let her because I was stupid, but I didn't realize what she was doing. She would just want to go to the mall and like, you know, go clothes shopping or go do this, go do that. Can I have $20 to get some weed? Like small little things that you don't really put together in a picture until way later. Exactly. Exactly. So basically she was a gold digger for lack of a better word. And uh, Kanye wasn't around yet then. So I didn't know that word existed even. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly. So now we're out of high school. Now you're out of high school, and it seems like you're really feeling your oats. Um, what was that period like? Uh, I went. A, I I went to a two. I went to a two-year community college, the only one in New York State actually with dorms. So I went. I went to a two a two-year community college, Sullivan, Sullivan County Community College, upstate, and. I lived there for two years, basically. I I started, my second year there, I actually started dating another girl seriously. And we had a somewhat decent relationship, but she was very manipulative. She was very controlling. Anything I did, like who I hung out with, like she had to try to control everything. If I wanted to go smoke with my friends, like off campus, she had to be involved or she would get in trouble, like, or she would like start yelling at me and like threatening to break up me and she ended up actually faking a pregnancy to, just to get some money out of me which i didn't find i didn't find out she faked it until like five years later but i mean going through the process um you know relationships can be really tricky and i'm quite sure during that period with this young lady um how did you feel about the way she was treating you i mean i didn't like it of course i always would be my, my friends would always be like why are you with her she treats you horrible and i would just i would make excuses because i was a i was at that point 350 pounds around there like between three and four hundred from that point forward until recently so i was always the fat kid that always thought he couldn't get girls always thought he couldn't get a relationship so when one came along i clung to it like gorilla glue because I was scared I couldn't get anything else. You know, that's a in- that's interesting that you talk about, you know, you being overweight and you not having the self-confidence um, as a young man should. So you felt like anything that came along that smiled and got your attention, you just you just hooked on like glue. And, how, like, how long did that process last you? Because I'm quite sure it's like that process is just like over and over and over and over again. Um, I would say it lasted me until the last five years or so. I mean, I got, I got out of that college. I graduated with two 
associate's degrees. And then from there, I just went on a little forward to, I ended up, I was going to another community college because I changed my majors because I could never decide what I wanted to do in life. I still don't know that answer, but basically I was working at a pizzeria while I was going to college and I ended up managing it eventually because I, it was on property my family owned and I, I grew up with the manager's kids. So I ended up managing it and there was this waitress who ended up working there for, ended up being only a few days because my boss saw what I didn't, but she was a cute little Puerto Rican Amer American girl and she was cute. She had a nine-year-old daughter. So, I mean, I started hanging out with her a little bit. And then, the, the, I mean, I should have seen the signs, but the first night we hung out, she asked me to borrow a couple hundred dollars to make her rent. And I, being a naive 21, 20 year old I was at that point, I just was like, sure, whatever. I always had cash on hand because I was delivering pizza too. So I always had cash, a lot of it. So I gave it to her and I was like, whatever. And then that relationship just grew and grew. And eventually we were officially dating. And I found out about, it was a year long relationship basically. And about four months in, I found out she was a heroin addict. And that all the time she's been asking me for money, she's just been going to her dealers and buying heroin. So what happened at that point? I, I mean, and stupidly, when I, once I found out, I still stuck with it. Like a complete naive idiot. Like I stuck with it. And I was like, all right, maybe I could change her. Maybe I could change her, which me nowadays, I would have been like, yeah, I know I can't change her. <laughs> but she had a nine-year-old she, she nine daughter, and I felt bad. And the kid was connecting with me somewhat. So I just, I stuck around, and I lost thousands of dollars to her thousand probably ten fifteen thousand dollars over the year did her least. did and her substance use attempt attempt you to use no because i had a cousin who was older who was six years older than me my whole life and he had the same issue so i always i saw what i did to someone before i got involved with her and i was always brought up not to do i mean i didn't smoke weed until i was 19 in college like i just was brought up that the, all that stuff was the devil's like stuff and not to touch it so i mean luckily my parents brought me luckily my parents my grandparents were strict enough and brought me upright to not do that stuff but so you at I this just, you at this age right now where you're dealing with this young lady she's a heroin addict and you feel like she's going to change or you being in her life um you being in her life will somehow make her change did that happen mm, no i mean no not not as far as i know no she eventually eventually she moved at a year in she just her daughter was down visiting her father in uh, I think it was North Carolina, South Carolina, somewhere down there. And she decided to move down there. And like, she straight up asked me like, do you want to come or no? And I would, at that point I saw my out finally. And I just said, I can't, I can't. My family's all up here. I can't go with you. And that's basically, and I, okay, well, just to add on a little bit pain to this, I bought her daughter a $500 pit bull puppy from the next door neighbor. And so I ended up letting her take the dog as well, even though I paid for it because of the daughter. 
and her daughter's Wii, Nintendo Wii, got she blamed her drug dealer for taking it, but I'm pretty sure later on I realized she probably just gave it to him to get more drugs. So I had my Wii at her house so her daughter had something to play, and my Nintendo Wii ended up moving with them to South Carolina, North Carolina. So I lost a game system, I lost a puppy, and probably 10 to 15 grand at least in the in a year, in a year's time. And meanwhile, my boss and, and my family and everybody's saying, like, why are you dating her? You need to leave her. And I'm like, no, I love her. And we didn't have, we didn't get intimate one time in a year. And I still was falling for it. So, you know, back to you being, you know, this kid um, in high school that was overweight and you looked at yourself as being the fat kid. So every girl that came into your life that you felt that was interested in you, you kind of cling to. And in all the relationships that you're discussing with us today, they just used you. And because of the person that you are, you know, because it sounds like you have a great heart, they just used you until either you got enough or they couldn't get any more. Basically, I mean, the one, in, the one, the one after my senior year of high school, the one after the year of high school ended up basically leaving me because she found a, she found a skinnier white guy and she ended up going with him. I don't know if he had money <laughs> or not, but that's basically what happened with that one. And then, you know, the, the, the bit that. The one I started dating when I was 20, 21, she moved away, and that's the only reason, only reason I broke up with her. And then from the same pizza place, I met another woman who came in and worked as a delivery driver. <laughs> and um, a tall mulatto, beautiful woman. I, uh, God, I can't think of her name right now. Leanne, I freaking, like, I was in love with this girl. Like, I always joked with her and said, like our babies could be basketball players because we were both like six <laughs> feet tall. And, but I mean, we hooked up on and off for years, but she had a Coke problem. So she would basically come to me. It all started because she would come to call me and be like, Hey, can I borrow $40, $60 just to get this? I promise I'll pay you back. And she would pay me back from time to time originally in the beginning. And then after a while, I started, I actually like kept track of it. And I told her, I'm like, you owe me like $1,500 right now. I'm not giving you any more money. And that's when it turned sexual and she started doing things to get the money. And that went on for a few years until I finally just lost it and said, no more, no more. And I just said, if you get sober someday, we can have a relationship. We can be together. But until then, it's not happening. Now and I just stopped it. Now, before... Um, it became sexual and you was giving her money. Was was you guys sexually, um, were you intimate at that time? Or it, it came to a point where, you know, when you stopped giving her money, she wanted to be um, intimate with you? Uh, we were intimate before I stopped giving her money. We were already intimate at that point And like, I mean, but she wasn't that good at it. She, it only would last like five, 10 minutes on her choice. So okay. I mean, but. I mean, just, and eventually, I mean, she would call me screaming and crying and everything else because she wanted money for her. So, Jeremy. And I'd have to avoid, I'd have to, this, this and I'd have to avoid certain <laughs> bars. 
Ex that, I was getting ready to go there. You know, in the process of her, you know, doing what she needed to do, I'm quite sure, she, you know, she was hanging out at bars. She was in places that was unhealthy. And the fact, once again, we're going to go back to you just being the person that you are, you know, with the big heart. You know, your love carried you through many of those relationships, even though it didn't work. So I, I, I just want to commend you. But I want to talk really, really brief about how did the weight loss come about? I didn't lose weight. Well, okay. I lost, I, well, fast forward to like 2015 at that point, because this all happened back in like, a lot of it, this all happened back in like 2009 to 2013. But 2015, I went through another bad relationship, but this one wasn't a user or gold digger or anything. She just, she chose to be with the wrong guy, basically, in my opinion, and a lot of people's opinions. So she went back to her ex, and I was in love with this girl. I thought I was going to marry this girl, even though we only were dating for like a week. Like, when I fall in love, I fall in love hard. But okay. I just, I, when she chose to go back to her suicidal, mentally unstable ex instead of being with me, I straight up lost it. I lost my job because of it, because I just couldn't control my mouth, couldn't control anything. And I ended up moving from New York to Massachusetts at that point because I just needed a change of, I needed to change states. I was just so out of it. I just needed to go somewhere else. So I went and I moved to my mom in Massachusetts, which knowing my relationship with her from my childhood was not the smartest idea, but I did anyway. I should have moved to Florida with my father, but I moved to Massachusetts and I got a job at Lowe's and I lost like 80 pounds there. Really? Gained it all back. Gained it all back over the next like four or five years. And then now this past March of 2022, I had gastric bypass surgery and I've lost like 60, 80 pounds since then, maybe even more now because I haven't weighed myself in a little, a little bit. But And now I'm, I'm, I'm below 300 pounds for the first time since middle school. Congratulations, man. Congratulations. Health is wealth, and I always say that, man. So for our audience, I mean, based on, you know, your experiences and all the things that you have gone through in your life and all the heartaches and the heartbreaks that you have experienced, um, what would you like to say, what message would you like to send out to somebody that may be going, to this, going through the same thing you're going through? Um, basically, I mean, I know nowadays there's a lot more resources for people who are overweight and a lot more ways to deal with it, but the best message is basically don't let your body size or the way you look affect anything you do because it's just your body. It does. It's not you. It's your body. Yes, it may be part of you, but you shouldn't let it control what you do and control your mind. You should have confidence that you can do anything, even though you're fat. You can get, you can get the Beyonce-looking girls, even though you're fat. I mean, you can get anybody you want. You just gotta show them the right personality, and you might be able to get them. Most definitely, most and if a girl, definitely. If, and if a girl asks for money, don't give it to her unless you're dating for years at that point. You know what it's going for. Keep your money in your pocket, Jeremy. Keep your money in the freaking bank and don't tell them you're banking, bro. Most definitely, Jeremy. Uh, that's, 
That's I, what I say. <laughs> I most definitely appreciate it. I love your story, man, because there's so many of us, you know, out there that has been to something similar. And I most definitely appreciate it. You could have been anywhere in the world today, but you came decide to hang out with your boy Isaac at the den, man. I most definitely really, really appreciate you. And Jeremy, I, you know, I, I'm going to let you know right now, I'm most definitely going to have you back on the show sometime soon. Oh, be, I, I'd be glad to. I got more stories. <laughs> most definitely, most definitely. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jerry Bryant. And Jerry, if nobody told you that they love you, man, I'm going to let you know, bro, I love you, man. And you know what? You stay strong and you stay tight. Okay? I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate you too, man. And this is your host, Isaac. And this is The Den. And we're out.